The Anchored City Podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue But of all the roads The John P. Begoy Gate into the Anchorage Memorial Park Cemetery is located just off of Cordova Street near East 7th Avenue. The gate is named for John P. Begoy, who was born in Anchorage in 1922. The UAA-APU Consortium Library holds a collection of his papers. The introduction to that collection reveals that he graduated from Anchorage High School in 1940 and served the U.S. Army during World War II. After the war, he graduated with a bachelor's degree from the University of Oregon. Upon returning to Anchorage, he started an electrical supply company. In retirement, Begoy wrote a book, Legends and Legacies, Anchorage, 1910-1935, that tells the story of the city's founding families. After his mother's death in 1982, he began working to refurbish the cemetery, including researching over 3,000 unmarked graves and raising funds for new grave markers. He also gave cemetery tours every summer solstice, telling the stories of early Anchorage residents. If you enter the Begoy Gate and turn left, after a few steps, if you know where to look, under a gnarled bush, there's a grave marker of an early Anchorage resident, John J. Sturgis. Sturgis was known as Jack, or Black Jack. The tombstone also reveals that Sturgis was the chief of police for Anchorage and was killed in the performance of his duty. The marker also gives his service dates, January 1, 1921 to February 20, 1921, just 51 days. The limited information begs, in Paul Harvey style, for the rest of the story. And there are deserts I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true but of all Anchorage became a city on November 23, 1920. Citizens voted to incorporate and move from being governed by the Federal Alaska Engineering Corporation, the builders of the railroad, to self-rule. The public put pressure on the new city council and the first mayor, Leopold David, to get prostitution, gambling, and alcohol bootlegging under control. In December 1920, the city council established the Anchorage Police Department and appointed John Sturgis as the first chief of police. In a February 3, 1921 city council meeting, responding to complaints from residents, 
Sturgis was encouraged to rigidly enforce the provisions of the ordinance relative to gambling. Sturgis, a one-man police force, began doing just that. He spent the next several weeks patrolling the streets and attempting to halt the proliferation of gambling along with bootleg whiskey and prostitution. During the evening of February 20, 1921, Sturgis was patrolling the city on foot. Oscar Anderson, Anchorage's first butcher, whose house stands today as a museum in Elderberry Park, passed the 60-year-old police chief on 4th Avenue around 9 p.m. What happened next? No one really knows. A few moments after being seen by Anderson on 4th Avenue, Black Jack Sturgis lay wounded at the bottom of a flight of stairs behind the building which housed the Anchorage Drugstore and the Liberty Cafe. The location is now an alley next to the historic Anchorage Hotel near the intersection of 4th Avenue and E Street. A night watchman named John McNutt saw what he thought was a drunken man passed out in the snow around 9.30 p.m. McNutt called to the figure. The only response was groaning. Rather than investigate, McNutt decided to inform the chief. He left the scene and headed to a newsstand that was a frequent stop for Sturgis when he was on patrol. On the way to the newsstand, McNutt met Mrs. Baxter, who lived above the drugstore. He told her about the fallen man. Mrs. Baxter went to have a look and discovered the man lying in the snow was her friend, John Sturgis. She would later state that she knelt beside Sturgis while he slipped in and out of consciousness, reporting that he recognized her and called out her nickname, Ma. She then ran to Baxter's cigar store and cried for help. Responders carried Sturgis to Richter's hotel and bathhouse. Upon examination, the decision was made to move the chief once more, and soon he was being rushed to the hospital by firefighters on the city's new hose wagon. At the hospital, as doctors Romig, Spalding, and Cannon prepped for surgery, Sturgis asked to be turned over, objected to the bright lights, and commented on his hands being cold. U.S. Deputy Marshals Clarence Mossman and Frank Hoffman were present and questioned the wounded chief, but he didn't respond to any of their questions and was unable to identify his attacker. At 10.50 p.m., John Sturgis, Anchorage's first police chief, died. In a recent article in the Anchorage Daily News retelling the story of the chief's murder, David Raymer notes, the details were scant then and all the more confusing a century later. Sturgis was shot with his own gun, and though he was known to carry two, only one was recovered. The gun contained two empty cartridges, yet witnesses reported hearing only one gunshot. And there were no signs of a struggle, and no one was seen fleeing the scene. An official inquest determined that Sturgis had died at the hands of an unknown person. However, theories and speculation abound. Sturgis's behavior on the day of his death was noted as a bit strange, including writing a number of letters over a period of hours, and suicide was considered a possible cause by some. The local newspaper speculated on why he was murdered, including Blackjack being shot for making an arrest after watching the back door of the drugstore for a suspect, or being killed by bootleggers in revenge for a raid on illegal stills that had happened in the weeks before. Despite the city offering a reward of $1,000 for information about its chief's death and council members pledging an additional $950, 
The case of the murder of John Sturgis remains an unsolved cold case. Some believe that the ghost of Black Jack Sturgis still haunts the halls of the historic Anchorage Hotel to this day. If you walk a few hundred yards north from Jack Sturgis's final resting place, you will arrive at the busy intersection of Fifth Avenue and Cordova Street. Ninety-five years after Black Jack's murder, on Saturday, November 12, 2015, at 4.30 a.m., Anchorage police officer Arne Salau responded to a call about a skipped cab fare. As he rolled his patrol car up to a man walking down the street to see if he had seen anything, the man opened fire. Officer Salau returned fire, and after the suspect unloaded his gun, striking Salau four times in the legs and torso, Officer Salau continued to pursue the man, fighting with him despite having a broken pelvis. A second officer, Sergeant Mark Patsky, arrived on the scene and fatally shot the man. The man who had unloaded his gun on Officer Salau was James Dale Ritchie. Ritchie, it was later proved, was the gunman that had put fear into Anchorage Trail and Park users throughout the summer of 2015. The gun he fired at Officer Salau was linked to five shootings in Anchorage. The July 3 killings of Brianna Foise and Jason Netter Sr. on the bike path near Ship Creek. The July 29 death of 21-year-old Trayvon Kendall Thompson on Boland Street in East Anchorage. And the double homicide of Kevin S. Turner and Breed DeHewson in the early morning of August 28 in Valley of the Moon Park. Reporting by the Anchorage Daily News noted that Ritchie was an offensive lineman for the 1994 state championship football team at East Anchorage High School. He also played on the state championship basketball team with teammates Mao Tosi, who went on to play in the NFL, and Trajan Langdon, who played in the NBA. The article noted that his life after high school was ruined by drugs. And in maybe the most chilling detail, Richie graduated from East High School in 1994, the same year as Officer Arne Salau. And with all those lessons learned, with the crazy long life that I lived already, and the sky. I earned. I still can't seem to find the answers and all the questions I never knew but loving you just once was worth it even if I I can't have in just a couple of blocks of Cordova Street between the grave of John Sturgis and the site of the deadly altercation between serial killer James Dale Ritchie and Officer Arne Salau, one can begin to understand the history of violence in Anchorage. The city started with its first police officer lying in the snow, shot with his own gun. 
and for the past 100 years, violence has continued to mark the city. In our next episode, we will continue to explore the problem of violence in Anchorage and how we might begin to imagine a more peaceful future. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission that in part makes this podcast possible. We are also grateful for our partnership with Street Psalms. Check them out at streetpsalms.org. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and recommend us to your friends. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchorage City Podcast is hosted by Joel Kickenfeld and is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, heart, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they are supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org and on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme song is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner. <laughs>